Hello, you are about to listen to another episode of Beyond Clean, a podcast where we talk about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. I am your host, Dave Thompson. Yes, we are in Season 4. We broadcast out of Orlando, Florida. This is where the cleaning industry talks about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. We would love to have you on the show, so reach out to me, D. Thompson at academyofcleaning.com or at 888-999-6059. Be sure to listen to our live streaming that we will be doing this year on Podbean. Now, for today's show, let's get started. Okay, so this is another episode of Beyond Clean with Ace. We are live again this morning. It's Thursday morning. We're in January 2020. It's another issue or another episode of Beyond Clean with Ace. We are streaming live on Podbean uh, this morning. And we've been, uh, let's see. Hello, Rajai. I see that you're with us. Thank you for joining in. We're going to probably have a number of people that will come on. Uh, we've got a special guest uh, that's going to be speaking with us here in just a few moments. But if you've been with us before, we're in season four. This is going to be, I think, our fourth live stream this year. We're going to be doing this all year. Uh, you may have heard our intro. You may not have. Uh, if you're listening to a recorded version of this later on, you'll hear all about us. If you've looked at or watched us before, you know that we talk about anything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. And to that measure, Mr. Bill Fellows is on the line with me today. Uh, Bill, let's make sure you're there. Yeah, I'm here, Dave. Thank you so much for having me on. Good. Well, uh, Bill's been with us before last year, and um, I don't know. You probably can't see. You can see a picture if you're on Podbean Live of Bill and his lovely wife. He's got gray hair just the same as I do. He's got it on top of his head, and I don't. <laughs> and, and, you know, the thing about this is is that this is technology that we're not used to using we're not supposed to be doing these kind of things, are we, Bill? No, not for me. It took me a while to figure this out. In fact, we were a little late because of that. I'm sorry. Nah, don't be sorry about it, Bill. This is, this is the fun of doing something that's out of your box. You know, they say that we're supposed to do in the new year, we're supposed to do new things. And I have forced you to do something new, right? Yes, you have. Yeah, well, see, now, now the rest of the year is just going to be easy, right? That would be the plan. Yeah, <laughs> that would be the plan. Okay. Bill um, is a uh, contributor to us before. He is an assessor for ISSA and the SIMS certification program. I'm going to let him talk to you more about that. He also is a verifier for CMI training courses and uh, training centers. I mean, you know what, Bill, there's a whole laundry list, and I probably can't go through all of it. Do you want to tell some people some things about Bill Fellows and what we're going to talk about today? Uh, sure. I've, uh, I started in the business on Groundhog Day in 1966, so I'm just about at 54 years now into this. So when we started, there was no OSHA. Uh, that didn't exist. So I've seen a lot of things change over the years. Uh, not everything uh, was was good for me in my life, but it's it's worked out. Uh, so I'm happy with that. And I, my 
wife of Patty is we're married almost three years now and very happily so. But uh, one of the things I wanted to include in these podcasts over time, since we're going to do these every month, is some share with you some of the things I learned as an assessor. When I go out into the field, my job is to find out where they're compliant to the ISSA SIM uh, certification standards. And uh, in so doing, one of the biggest pieces of that has to do with safety. So I'm really big on that issue. If you saw or heard the podcast earlier in the last part of December, or you want to go back and review it, you'll, you'll understand a little more why. But um, I find so many common mistakes. It's, so I would like to share with you some of the things I see at cleaning companies when I get there that seems to be everywhere. It's not unique to a particular organization. I think that's funny that you say it that way, Bill, because, you know, every time I go to some place, I'm talking with another uh, group of people from around the United States or the world, for that matter. They always say, you don't know what we've got. We're unique. They're not. No, not at all. Uh, so what would be, so what would be a list of those, or do you have like the top five or the top twenty? Well, it, I could go on beyond that even, but typically what we're looking into, and I want to talk about at least the first few podcasts is uh, chemicals, uh, because while the cleaning business as such is considered kind of the low end of the totem pole. Uh, our people don't make the, the large amounts of money that some others do. They directly impact the health of everybody in the building where they clean and their own personal health. And it's all because of some of the chemicals that they use accomplish those goals, but they can also turn on a person and be deadly. And uh, so I want to make sure that people understand more about that uh, later, probably three or four of these in, I want to do a, an in-depth report on seven terms on the SDS sheet that everyone should know and understand if they're in the cleaning business. But for now, I'm just going to talk about generalities. Uh, the first being how chemicals are stored. I so often come in to find people uh, and their storage habits to be uh, just not too compliant with the standard at all. And one of the reasons is that people just don't understand. Uh, they've got so limited shelf space, so they'll put chemicals clear up on top shelves where it's above people's heads. Well, if there's any kind of a leak in the container, and it doesn't have to be from outside damage, sometimes there's just a weakness in the in the container itself that finally the chemicals work their way through. Uh, maybe the lid's not, their cap isn't on tightly. When you reach up above your head to grab something like that, if there is any kind of a leak at all, it can come right down on you. And typically it's gonna be right into your eyes or even your mouth, uh, which can cause some severe problems for people. So. The recommendation, in fact, the standard is that chemicals be stored at or below eye level. And uh, one of the things I hear when I say that is, well, whose eyes? 
Yeah, um, right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking in my head, and I knew you were going to go there because I can tell you that uh, we all are not at the same eye level. Right. So it's it's based on not uh, you're not to have the top of the container higher than six feet. Uh, higher than six feet. Right. Okay, so is this the number one issue with chemicals that people actually are storing them? I mean, you're talking most generally, we're talking a gallon of product, which is 10 pounds. I mean, why would we want to do that? And it happens all the time. Uh, I was in one place, this is a, uh, which I thought was just hilarious at the time, although it was extremely serious. They were stacking five gallon pails, seven high. And uh, I asked them, why are you stacking those seven high? So when we put the eighth one on, the bottom one burst. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, Bill! Totally, you know, totally th and, and, and this is what you see out there. Uh, and and you talked about these standards. That are these ISSA standards or these OSHA standards? I mean, to the audience that's listening today, what standards are we talking about before we go any further? It's it's a combination of both. Some of them are within OSHA. Uh, then the standards of for SIM sometimes go a little greater than OSHA does, but they're, uh, they're required to just for your safety. Uh, if you can imagine somebody trying to stack five-gallon five pails eight high and the bottom one burst, what does that do to anybody who's around them? Uh, well, and now we have another, uh, another issue, and that's called uh, hazardous cleanup because we don't know what was in that eight eight stack. I'm not sure what chemical it was. It doesn't really matter. Now we've got yeah. a safety issue that is above and beyond just the chemical itself. Exactly. And uh, uh, in this case, it was a stripper, which is even worse. Uh, oh, my gosh. 13.5 pH, which is about as high as it gets. And uh, that becomes uh, caustic. So it could be extremely dangerous to individuals and to property in the area so 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 bill whenever you're doing this just because you mentioned the ph factor how many people really know what ph is i found that very few understand it exactly uh, several when i do a course on this which i want to do later maybe three or four in here will do it but when i do that course it includes understanding the ph scale and its value to us and understanding it I find that people don't always know which side is alkaline, which side is acid, seven being neutral. You have a zero to 14 scale, so the alkalines run on the high side and the acids run on the low side. But when you can, when you can put out the numbers as to their, their strength and how they can affect you, uh, the scale is exponential by 10. So and, and, and so what and so what you're talking about here, though, Bill, is if they put a, a, a stack of you know five or six high and one burst, and then they have another chemical that is a different acid or alkaline. Now you have two chemicals that could potentially cause a death. Exactly, and it can be. Uh, it's really interesting on reactivity, what you learn when you when you delve into it a little bit. Reactivities are different. Uh, 
cleaning people are familiar with the reaction between ammonia and bleach. Mm-hmm. And that's, that makes a deadly gas. It can kill you that way. But if you have a hypochlorite that would mix with brake fluid or some kind of a distillate, as an example, within 60 seconds, it starts a 2,500-degree fire that you can't put out until those two things consume one another. So in the meantime, with a fire that hot, anything that could be combustible could catch fire, and then you've got some real damage, you know. So I want to go back to your shelf. So you're talking about a shelf that the top of the cap of whatever container should not be more than six feet off of the floor. But are we also going to talk now, Bill, about what's on that shelf and the different types of chemicals on that same shelf? We're going to talk about that as well as uh, also we want to mention the fact that since bottles do leak um, over time and Anybody who stored something directly on a shelf will see the rings. They're there all the time. Uh, it's recommended that you put some kind of an absorbent down there to take care of that so that that liquid doesn't migrate. Um, you also want to, to what your earlier point was, see what's on the shelf. And you find that out on the SDS sheet. If you go to the SDS and you and you look at under stability and reactivity under reactivity it'll tell you what class of chemicals this would react to so to your point about the the stripper breaking and then getting mixed up with something else um, in the case of cleaning the most common reactivity is to uh, is is to uh, oxidizers and oxidizers include things like uh, bleach or uh, cleaners that contain some form of a bleach a hypochlorite of some sort uh, and it's usually the well it's always the acidic side that has the reactivity to it uh, distillates will react with that so you have to pay close attention to how you put those on the shelf. You have uh, some chemicals are considered stable, which means as long as you store them in the right temperature and conditions as suggested, uh, their shelf life is pretty long and they don't have a lot of problems with reactivity. We kind of put those in the middle and if our shelf is, is too small to let us do separate shelves, then we put the uh, oxidizers on one side and the acid there uh, they would react with on the opposite side so they don't touch one another. So what I'm hearing you say, if I can paraphrase a little bit here, Bill, is that as you go around and look at these places and assess their situations, you're finding chemicals stacked, like you said, chemicals above six feet, chemicals next to each other and no absorbent pad. Yeah, no absorbent pad, plus they would react with one another. But worse than that, uh, you can keep There's it There's worse free. than that? Yeah. Come on, Bill, that's bad enough. Uh, the shelving can be all handled well. And then when they put the chemicals on the maid cart, since they don't understand what they're doing, those things can be right next to one another all over again. 
So that yeah. so they could have had the on the shelf correctly, but then the technician takes them off the shelf and then misuses or mis I don't know stores or handles them because they put them in the wrong place as they went out on the floor in the general public. Yeah. So now so, now they, they have two things that react next to one another right on their right on their cart. Wow. You know, the thing about it is, is that you don't really think about this. And of course, we've heard recently, you know, the accidents and the death that happened because of the mixing of accidental mixing of chemicals. And this is kind of what you're talking about today, Bill, is there was no intention for these things to happen. But until someone like yourself comes along, um, this is what happens. Yeah, I actually, in one case, we had a them using a, a hypochlorite-based uh, cleaner for the sinks in a restroom, which is fine. And then, so they sprayed in there to get dwell time, and I'll discuss spray versus another thing later, but uh, they sprayed to get the dwell time in the sink and then turned around and grabbed the distillate, which they had in a spray bottle as well, sprayed that on the on the fixtures to give it the polish and while it was the right cleaner for the fixture since you already had the other chemical in the sink now you got a problem and i stopped them and they couldn't figure out what was wrong and i said go get the sheets they come back with the sheets and read them and it's like oh my god you know they they didn't even have an idea that that was something that could react uh and they were fortunate that all that time, because the, the, the what was being used, the, the amounts were so small, they didn't get a huge reaction. Uh, but there was one there; it just wasn't noticeable to everybody. Well, is yeah, and as you're saying, Bill, it's not that the chemicals don't react; they do. It's the amount of severity of it, and just because it didn't one time doesn't mean it won't the next. That's very true. I, I get uh, when I, I see people and how they handle chemicals and how chemicals are stored, that's the, the number one constant that I find when I go out into the field. The number one issue that you come across in the field is? Chemical storage and chemical use. Or as you would say, misuse. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, because, you know, and I just got through with a restroom class here at the Academy of Cleaning Excellence here in Orlando, and I had a lady here who was in class, and we were talking about all the restroom issues, and the only reason I'm bringing that up is because I find that the restroom chemicals and the restroom itself is where we have the largest misuse of chemicals. Would that be a general assumption that would be correct, or do you see it differently? I would back that up 100%, yes. And and then now we want to look at ways, uh, we want to go to the next step on this, look at ways that we can do it the correct way and prevent most of this, if that's all right with you. So, so the thing here is what we're saying is that we, we have different levels of misunderstanding um, uh, from management, and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to lay blame on anything, but we also have to look at why do these issues happen, Bill? And is it's not the frontline technician, is it? 
they're the ones who don't get the the proper training and when you when you look at that proper training uh, it's usually because the people who are doing the training don't understand either I think I mentioned in my last course we had the vice president in charge of safety for a uh, international company who was so proud of the fact that he knew the answers to all the S SDS terms that we talked about and yet nobody else in the room did and that was his job to disseminate that information not well, to and, so, and, and as you're saying that Bill I'm thinking so what good was his knowledge if it didn't filter down the technicians to to and and so there that knowledge never had any positive effect on the people in the environment right i'd like to tell you my minnesota story right now please go ahead now now just a moment i want to say folks if you've been with us we're now 22 minutes into our live stream today we're live on Podbean. we'll be doing this all year so if you haven't been able to join us on the live call today don't worry about that you may be listening to a recording just keep looking at Podbean Live, Academy of Cleaning Excellence. Uh, we're going to be doing this all year. Bill's going to be on with us every month. Bill, you've got something more you want to talk about for, well, probably another 15 or 20 minutes, right? Yeah, this is a, this was a real-life story during a SIMS uh, assessment. Um, we were in a very large mall up in Minnesota. I always call it my Minnesota story, and... The people who got wrong answers earlier, I let them tell me where I where it happened so they could get a right one. <laughs> we do the Minnesota story is about uh, this large mall, and it was uh, <clears throat> the offices for the cleaning people were outside the building, not not inside the building, although they had janitor closets that were available to them inside. So as we're talking to the supervisor and we're asking questions as we do in our assessment, one of the questions we want to know is what PPE is required for your employees. So the personal protective equipment that's required, they tell me because it's not my job to name it for them. It's their responsibility to make that decision. So the the, what was listed was everybody was supposed to wear gloves, safety glasses, and uh, substantial footwear that was non-slip. So my response was, is that for everything that they do? And he said, yes, because for some companies, glasses are only a requirement when you're mixing chemicals and not necessarily when you're using them. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying it's how some people handle it. In this case, he was consistent, which I, I adhere to. I think if you're going to ask somebody to wear glasses for any part of the job, tell them to do it all the time because it's too easy to forget. I'll agree uh, with that. So anyway, when I asked him, so they should be, everybody should be wearing this. He said, well, they should, but they won't. <laughs> I, I looked at him real strange. I said, what do you mean you, you won't? And he said, well, I tell them and I get on them, but they just won't do it. I said, so you can lead the horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And he says, yeah, that's pretty much it. 
So now when we left the area to go talk to people who were working, because we watched them work and then we interviewed them and uh, as part of the assessment. As we're going by, he passes several people. And I said, we can talk to this person. He says, no, I got one in mind. It takes me almost to completely the opposite end of the mall. And this guy that he's got working is in a uniform that's that's well kept. He's well pressed. He's, he's groomed well. Uh, he was polite to people. He'd open doors when he was cleaning the glass to let him in. Uh, but didn't get engaged in long conversations. His moves were very efficient. You know, he was, he was an ideal worker for any cleaning organization. They'd have been glad to have him on board. But he was not wearing gloves or glasses. He did have the foot on, but no gloves or glasses. So when it came, after we watched him work for about five minutes or so, then we asked him uh, the questions. And... Of course, one of the questions is, what's the PPE you're required to wear? And his response was, we're supposed to wear substantial footwear, gloves, and glasses. And I said, well, is there a reason you're not wearing it? He says, yeah, I don't have to. Now, I stopped the story there a little bit because what's the thinking process when you hear that from an employee? I could say several things, Bill, and it probably wouldn't have been any that he would have liked. Yeah. So what are some that you come to your mind? Uh, for my, my mind, it was supervisor doesn't enforce it. Well, I mean, you know, if it says required, somebody doesn't understand the meaning of required. Yeah. And that and would be both the, both the supervisor, administrator, and the employee, neither one understand what required means. Yeah. And at the time, I didn't realize that I learned it later as I, as I got more involved in the conversation. This particular person was the natural leader of the group. I was just about ready to ask that, Bill, because I could just see that coming. And so the thing is, if he didn't lead them, they were, nobody else was going to follow because the administrator wasn't making him do it and holding him responsible. Exactly. And, and in every group, there is a natural leader, and it's very rarely the supervisor. That is absolutely and, true. And if the supervisor tries to butt heads with that natural leader, all you're going to have is a problem with your people. But if he recognizes who the natural leader is and works with that person, he usually can convince them, and then their leadership will get everybody else to follow. In this case, though, it was this supervisor just felt he was called that because he had supervision and he really knew what he was doing. And so he was always at odds with this guy and getting nowhere. So now going back to the story, my, re my response when he says, I don't have to, is, so oh, why is that? And he answered, because we're using green chemicals and they won't hurt us. Uh. So now you understand where his mindset is. His thinking is, uh, since we switched to green chemicals, they won't hurt us. I can defy the supervisor, and it doesn't cause me or anybody else any harm. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I, I can't say that I'm, I find this unique because it's not, unfortunately. 
what's the rest of the story? I know there's got to be something more to this. Sure. So my next answer or career question to him, I says, uh, well, did you buy asbestos pajamas for your kids? <laughs> and of course, he jumped all up. No, I wouldn't do that. And I said, well, why not? If they had asbestos pajamas or fire, it could save their life. He says, he says, no, asbestos is bad for you. He says, how do you know? Well, it's even on TV. How do they know? He said, I don't know. I says, they found that out through autopsies. People died. They cut open their lungs. They found these little fibers that destroyed their lungs. And they learned it came from asbestos. And they were able to find out that they had to stop doing that. So once they learned that, when I outgrew my pajamas in the 50s, I didn't get any more because they didn't sell them anymore. <laughs> so it used to be parents really believed that they were doing their kids a big favor by putting them in asbestos pajamas. So my next question to him was, okay, well, what if it was blood you were going to clean up? What would you do? And he oh says, well, then I'd put on my gloves and my glasses to clean up blood. And the question back was, well, why would you do that? He said, because blood's bad for you. I said, that's not true. Only 3% of it's bad, so there's 97% chance nothing's wrong. Everything's just fine. So why put on all that stuff to, to clean up a little bit of blood? He says, no, I'm not going to do that because I could get AIDS. And how do you know? Well, his training told him that. But I said, how do the trainers know? Finally, we went back to its autopsies. People were dying. They put them on the table cut them up. It took them decades to figure out about the HIV virus, but they finally figured it out. And they shared that with us and told us that we had universal precautions for blood because we don't know by the color of it, if it's good or bad, it all looks the same. Mm -hmm. Now let's take a look at these green chemicals. I said, uh, how long you been using it? He said about two years. I said, well, the asbestos affected people after 20, 30, or 40 years of use. So I want you to understand you're going to be part of our safety program one way or the other. You can either follow the rules and wear your glasses and your gloves, or you can go ahead and continue to do what you're doing, and they'll find you on a slab someday, because something in here we don't even know about now build up in your system enough to kill you. So it's your choice. What do you want to do? And he says, you'll never see me without my glasses or gloves again. <laughs> and he went across the hall to another employee and had that employee put them on. So I turned back to the supervisor who was just standing there. And I said, so you can lead a horse to water. You can't make him drink. Your job is to make him thirsty. And so... When I train, I use that, that mantra as mine to use all the time. I want people to want to learn what we're trying to teach. And when you get into the subject of MSDS or now the SDS, that's not one of those topics that people want to learn about. Because the way we teach it is so boring. Uh, Here's section one and what it says. Here's section two. And all, it's, just, it's hard for people to get excited about something like that. So I teach that in a different direction so that it helps people become more engaged. 
All right. I'm going to pause here for just a moment. You are listening to Bill Fellows. He is a CMI or a CMI training uh, center uh, auditor, uh, an assessor for ISSA. We're talking live on Podbean Live today, streaming to you through, uh, well, whatever smart device that you have. Bill's going to be on with us regularly. And what you've heard today already is how to get someone to follow instead of making them do something. There are ways to do this. I, I just learned something today from Bill Fellows here. Now, be sure that you come back and, and, and join us again on another one. We're going to continue. We've been on here for about 30 minutes now. We're not done with today's episode, but if you have to go, we understand. Come back. These are always archived. You can find those archived at Beyond Clean with Ace. We're in our, let's see, I think we've done three this week. I've got one more yet to do today, but let me get you back to Bill Fellows because I think he's going to follow up his story just a little bit more. Okay, Bill, Dave. Uh, Bill, what, what, what happened after he decided that he should put on his gloves and goggles? Because I got a feeling some other people probably did too. Yeah, he went and he, he argued with somebody else across the hall. They weren't going to do it. And he made them put them on. This, you know, and they did. And I didn't get a chance to ever go back there another time to see what the net result was for everybody. But again, as him, his being a natural leader, I think he would have taken care of that because he would have seen the value of, or he actually did see the value of protecting yourself from the unknown. And uh, that's the deal with any new chemical that's put out there. It may be better than the last one we had, uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's totally safe. Well, uh, it's still it's still chemistry, and all chemistry has a reaction. And just because it's a safer product doesn't mean that it is totally safe. It's not water. And, you know, the thing about it is, is I, when I would teach class, I go, you can drown in the safest chemical on the planet, water. Yep. And the other thing is that the reactions are different for every individual. Some people have no problem at all, no matter what you do to them. And other people, the slightest of fragrance can set them off. Uh, so that's a whole nother issue to deal with that nobody knows exactly what their tolerance is to anything until well, Bill, to, to the point I, you've known me for a number of years and we've talked about this subject in the chemicals and stuff you know i've fought with asthma as uh, as an outcome of my earlier days with chemical strippers that you mentioned earlier in this broadcast but now i found in the last uh, well eight months that the asthma medication that I've been moving through, which has been several different ones, wasn't working. And I was sitting here where I couldn't even have a conversation with you like we are today without losing my breath and having to just stop. And so I went to the doctor and I said, this isn't working. I said, you've tried all this. So he moved me to a product called Trilogy for COPD. And so now I've moved from one to another. And this was all because of chemical strippers that I used in my 20s. So back to your point with your uh, story here, what I did then, didn't know what I was doing, 
now I'm living with it for the rest of my life, and it's even gotten worse. And, and that's how we have to think about every chemical that we use. Now, my currently, when I deal with uh, these assessments and talk to people, I, I fully advocate moving into uh, as much water as you can possibly use to clean. The technology for that's getting better. Uh, at first, it's like it's just like the green chemicals were when they first brought them out. They didn't really work. Uh, they've made improvements on that, so they will work, and people are beginning to accept that. Uh, water technology is the same. Uh, it, it had a limited value to people, but now uh, they've got the water down to where they can strip floors with it, they can uh, disinfect with it, uh, do general cleaning. The only thing that the water won't handle well is oils because it's oil and water just doesn't mix and you can't it won't break it down uh, well we're getting into our last five minutes of our live stream broadcast today on podbean live bill let's give the audience that's listening to us today uh some ideas of of when we're talking chemistry um maybe some of those ideas those things that you're looking for that are people that are doing the right thing we've talked about the bad stuff Give me some examples of, man, that was perfect. One of the things that we're learning is uh, trigger sprayers aren't our friend. And, uh, <laughs> so we're trying to encourage people to quit using the trigger sprayer and use the flip top cap. And then you Amen, can take- brother. Preach it on, Bill. Come on, let's go. <laughs> and you can, you can uh, then... Put on the right amount of, of liquid onto your cloth, and so you don't want it to be soppy wet where you have to wring it out, but you want enough on there that it's going to be able to do the job. If it's a disinfectant, stay on the table long enough to get the uh, effect of the disinfectant for its dwell time, and then always use a clean side. So folding of the cloth is always the right thing to do. When you put on the liquid, you use one side, you turn it over, you use another, you end up with eight sides of one cloth, can last quite a bit of time. And because the disinfectant, when you once it's been wetted, once you move it over and flip it, uh, that side is clean. So the disinfectant is still good, and you're all right with that. Uh, that's what I prefer to see people do. Uh, so that's going to be the number one thing today that we could say people that are using chemicals, this would be proper use. You were talking about storage and handling. Do we have any other top tip for them on that? Yeah, make sure you've read your SDS sheets uh, when you get your chemicals and understand what belongs where. Uh, the terms that, that we want you to be able to understand are uh, flashpoint, flammable, combustible, uh, vapor density, specific gravity, uh, stability, and reactivity in the pH. If you can understand those terms, what they mean, which we will get into in a later cast, then you'll understand exactly how to put the chemicals on the shelf. Um, I also recommend, it's not a requirement under the standard, but I recommend wherever you store it on the shelf, you put a little label that gives the min-max is supposed to be there, and attach any icons that would apply to your uh, safety PPE. So 
if they're supposed to wear gloves with that chemical or glasses, whatever it's supposed to be, as an additional reminder when they go to take the chemical, they see that, you know, that they have to fix that. All right, Bill, we went through a bunch of chemical stuff. What are we going to talk about on our next live broadcast? Well, I'm thinking the next thing that I see as a problem is uh, the understanding and remembering of their safety protocols when they work. Uh, so I'll talk about that and what, the, uh, what I find when I'm doing the assessments as to how much people understand about their safety protocol. Okay, so for our listening audience on our live stream at Podbean Live today, tell them where they can get hold of you, a website, phone number, email, whatever it is. How do they get hold of Bill Fellows to learn more? Yeah, you know, the email is the easiest uh, because it's, it's pretty simple. It's bill at billfellows.com. If they All send right. it to me, that's, I'm a narcissist, so I had to use my own name there. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. So, folks, you've been listening to Bill Fellows. Do you have any last parting word before we leave chemicals and healthy cleaning with you today? Well, I just want to make sure that people have learned something that makes them think a little more and can work a little safer and make sure whatever you've learned here, you share with the people who actually go out in the field and do the job because they're the ones that are at highest risk. Folks, you've been listening to Bill Fellows. He's been live. He went outside of his box in January of 2020. I think he's going to be a little bit more comfortable with it. I got to tell you, I'm getting much more comfortable with this live streaming thing. It's not what us in the baby boomer generation like to do, but you know what? Hopefully we've got some information that's good for you. We'll get to some more later. Make sure that you like and share what we're doing today. Come back for another episode of Beyond Clean with Ace live on Podbean Live or, you know, the recorded version if that's what you're having to get. By all means, whatever you're doing out there, folks, make sure that it is healthy, positive, and proactive. Bill, I want to say thank you for being on the show today, and we'll talk to you, I guess, next month. Yes, sir. See you third Friday of next month. Folks, until we hear from you again, I've got another live broadcast coming on in about 15 minutes. So if you're still live with us, join in. We're going to hear from Paul Owens with Jim Supply coming on at 12 noon. Stay with us or we'll see you next time. <laughs>